Amen. Turn around and say hello to someone and then be seated. Amen. All right, you may be seated. I want to pray for Ray and Henry, uh, others that are feeling under the weather. And uh, I want to pray for our internet. We don't want it to go under the weather. Um, pray, are we still on? We're still on. Amen. Everybody, now how many of you, as often as you think about it, when, when you, your mind starts to wander, I want you to say that's the Lord's signal for you to pray that we'll stay online, all right, that we won't have problems. Now, we're recording everything, so it's going to be online eventually. The devil thinks he's going to beat us, but the devil is a loser. How many of you agree with that? Amen. 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 Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. 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 We have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. How many of you are glad that he gave you victory this week in some area of your life? Maybe a relationship, a choice, a decision. Amen. Isn't God good? He is good all the time, and it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Once again, thank you, one and all. You've come and you're here with us, and we've got a full schedule. Next Sunday, we're starting missions emphasis for the month of October. Mark that down. You don't want to miss it. We're going to be having our, our faith promise forms, and this is not a vow that somebody reads and your name is signed to, but this is between you and God. And we've got all those folks whose pictures are on the wall out there. I want you to go past them today. I want you to pray for them. I want you to think about them. They're out there on the field, wherever they are, here and around the world, serving God by faith. And our faith promise is what God uses to keep them on the field and keep them alive and keep them going. And many of them are in very uh, severe areas, difficult areas. Some have drought, some have famine, some have a high rate of disease and they're serving the Lord. They're not thinking about their own comfort. They're not thinking about themselves. Listen, young people, I want to challenge you. And even some of us that are older too. You want to do something great for God? You want to do something that only God could do through you before you check out, before you leave this world? I tell you what, be a missionary. Every saved person is a potential missionary. Every lost person that hasn't come to Christ is still a mission field. And we want to reach them with the gospel. And I'm doing everything I can to try to encourage you, and I want to see you get equipped and go out and serve the Lord. You young people that are in school, that's a mission field. You that work at a job, that's a mission field. You that live in a neighborhood, that's a mission field. Those of you that go to the store, that's a mission field. I mean, wherever you go, there are folks who need Jesus. And so what do we do? We give them a, a copy of the Smile Track. Amen? How many of you gave out at least one of those this week? Raise your hands. Come on. All right, you can get them in the bookstore when we close out today. You stop in there, get yourself a little smiley face track. Nobody turns those around. Over the course of years, tens of thousands of tracks we've given out. I think I've maybe had, on one hand, that many refusals. And sometimes it's a person say, oh, I'm already saved. And I say, well, then you need to give this to somebody. You need to hand it out. You need to be, amen. 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 That's good. All right. So... We're, we're trying to get more folks under the sound of the gospel. So let's all go into all the world. Let's preach the gospel to every creature. And next month is Missions Emphasis. The last Sunday of the month, which is the 31st, is our 58th anniversary as a church. 58th anniversary as a church. Do something special. Bring a, a row full of people. Uh, maybe give an extra $58 in your offering envelope. Do something special and make a difference. Amen. And then in the month of November, we have sign-up boards I'm going to pass. Now, you folks that are out there distant, that are, that are far distant, this would be worth getting in your car. Start driving right now and try to get here. 
start walking or riding your bike, thumbing a ride, and get here by November the 20th, we're going to have our Care and Share All Church Thanksgiving Family Dinner. Amen. We haven't done that for a year and a half. And God has opened the doors now. We okay. We're okay. No temperature. Well, I may work up one before I'm through here today. But we're, we're healthy and we're doing well and God has blessed us. We give Him all the glory. And we want to get together and break bread and share time together and have a wonderful time. I'll pass those sign-up boards. Now think about bringing a platter of meat or a platter of meat and a side dish or two. And whatever you can do, let's do it on Saturday the 20th of November. A lot of other special things coming up. We don't want to miss out on any of these. Be back tonight at 6.30. 6.30 we have our evening service. We'll be online. Trust that you'll tune in if you can't be here. Those of you that are remote, uh, we've got folks uh, all around the world, all around the country, all around the region. Hope that you'll be part of our broadcast tonight. And then Wednesday night, 7.30, we're uh, last time in the book of Philippians, at least in the series that we're in. So I hope you'll be part of that 7.30 all week long. You can tune in every day. How many of you get from the Shepherd of the Sheep Daily Devotional? Come on. That's on YouTube. Do you like it? Is it okay? Can you put up with the singing another day? All right, okay. All right, so I want you to tune in, see you, Brother Tyler, and get, get connected on that. Hope you'll be part of that next Saturday. Visitation again. We're going to be going out 10 o'clock. We're going to do some cleaning maybe a little bit before that, getting everything sanitized and ready for the Lord's Day service next Sunday. Don't miss out on anything that God is doing. He is doing great things, and we give Him all the glory and all the credit. Amen and amen. On the outside of your bulletin, it says... The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Shall stand forever. What does that mean? Jesus Christ Himself said, Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words shall not, shall never pass away. Think about that. His words. We're talking about the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. And as we read in our bulletin, and as we read in our Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, From a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. This is fantastic. Uh, it was Spurgeon who said, Nobody ever outgrows the Scripture. You start when you're young. You teach your children, and you teach your children's children, and you grow them up in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's how we raise a generation that can impact this world and make a difference for good and for godliness. I don't want to burn anything down. I mean, I already know that in the end, everything's going to be on fire and God's going to fervently melt everything. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But uh, as much as people try to burn things down and think they're going to change things, that's not God's way. God's way and God's program is let Jesus in your heart. Let Him radicalize and revolutionize you from the inside out, make you a brand new creature in Christ and turn old things away and, and make all things brand new. Amen. That's what we want the Lord to be able to do. That's why we want to bring the kids in. And all these kids. Now I know they got a mom and they got a dad and they got a grandma and a grandpa. But we're going to be moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas to everybody that we can bring in here. And we're going to all be family. And we're going to work the work of God together. And it's going to happen because I've got a Bible that isn't outdated. I've got a Bible that will stand. I've got a Bible that will never pass away. You see, things may wither and pass. Things may come and go. People may even raise up monuments to themselves or to their movement or to some idea or some concept. But you know what? You can go over to, to distant parts of the world and you can find monuments and look around and there's not a living thing in, in miles 
and miles and miles. Because they got a monument, but they don't have anything that's alive. But if you'll win souls, if you'll tell people about Jesus Christ, if you'll live for Jesus, if you'll let Him come in your life, if you'll let Him change your life from the inside out and make you brand new, you know what? There'll be life not only right here, but all around you. Everywhere you go, there'll be life. And that's what we'll be part of. We'll be showing the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, sharing the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, sharing the love of God. Light and life and love. That's important. And I want us all to be a part of it. What does the Bible mean? As it says in the bulletin, the Bible means the book. It is the book, the book of books. Amen. 1,189 chapters in the Bible. You can read the Bible through in about 70 hours. Now, don't try to set a land speed record. What you want to do is let it, let it sink in. Let it change you. Let it transform you. That's what we believe the Bible does. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. Psalm 117 is the shortest chapter, two verses, 33 English words. Amen. So it's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Amen. So the Word of God will stand forever. Now I want you to do something with me today. We have given you some principles, and we're going to teach you some things that you can take with you. I'm going to have some things to say about the Bible and then from the Bible. And the whole purpose is to allow the Bible to do its work. I'm not going to try to talk you into anything today. I'm not going to try to persuade you, bend any arms or tell you something that is so difficult that only a few people can do. What I'm going to talk to you about is what is good for all of us, but God does all the doing. God makes all the changing. God does all the transforming. We just have to allow Him to do that. If you want your life uh, to be a light that shines before men, you've got to let the Lord shine through you. And that's what I'm going to teach you about today. I'm glad that we can bring this message today uh, from and about the Word of God. John Quincy Adams, who was uh, President of the United States, not to be confused with his famous father, John Adams, but John Quincy Adams had this to say about the Bible. So great is my veneration for the Bible, that's his respect, that the earlier my ch children begin to read it, the more confident my hope that they will prove useful citizens and respectful members of society. So what did the devil do? The devil got the Bible kicked out of the public venue. Back in the 1960s, it became uh, illegal for public schools to feature the Bible in any fashion, shape, or form. And that was a terrible turnaround for our nation. Say, well, I believe people ought to make their own choice. People are going to make their own choice. They're going to make the wrong choice without Jesus. People are going to make the wrong choice without the Word of God. And so I'm for the Bible... Um, for the Ten Commandments being up on the wall of the Supreme Court, where it is right now, by the way, they can just look over their shoulder, and there it is. I'm for the Word of God being on, on the monuments throughout D.C., and if you look around, you'll see the Word of God everywhere. And praise the Lord for that. You want to know why? Because it's true. That's why. It's true. Well, what about people that don't believe the Bible? doesn't make it untrue. See, the Bible is not a subjective thing. It's objective truth. It is what we call absolute truth. Jesus himself, now you're going to argue with him, Jesus said, sanctify them with thy word. Thy word is truth. Absolute truth. How are we going to get society fixed? Well, we, we fix it one person at a time through the word of God. We acknowledge what the Bible says. 
All, including me, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. That's, that's pretty permanent. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, how do you get that? With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever, anybody, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be, not kind of, sort of, I hope, I wish, you know, I'm going to hang on by my nails. No, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just a few miles away, man sat in the Oval Office for eight years. And I think people on both sides of the aisle, I think people of all political persuasions had respect for Dwight David Eisenhower. He had been our commander in, in our armed forces in World War II. And here's what he said. It's not about war. It's not about politics. It says the Bible is endorsed by the ages. Our civilization is built upon its words. In no other book is there such a collection of inspired wisdom. Now, I could go on and on and on and on. My point is this. Many famous, renowned personalities throughout our history have declared the very same thing. That this book is essential. What's inside of it needs to get inside of us. And if what's inside of it gets inside of us, then we're going to be changed from the inside out. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if I were to ask you to raise your hand, a number of hands would go up when I would say, we need a change from the inside out. This country needs a change. I talked on the text that I sent out to many, many of you that we need an old-fashioned 2 Chronicles 7.14 revival. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We need an old-fashioned Holy Ghost sent revival. But it's only going to come when God's people start out by humbling themselves, getting down on their knees and saying, Lord, we have neglected this book. We've tried in our own pride to do our own thing and we have failed. We are a failure apart from you, Lord. We need your help. We need your intervention. I need to do that. I need to say, Lord, I have failed on my own. I need you. I need your intervention. Lord, come in. Take charge of me from the inside out. So much better when he's making the choices. Not somebody else. You say, well, I've got a hero, I've got a role model, I've got somebody that I consider to be very authoritative and I really like what they have to say. I hope you're not talking about me. Please don't put me up on that pedestal because I fall off. We need to put Jesus on the pedestal. He's the only one. In the middle verse of your Bible, I don't want you to have to count up all those verses, but the middle verse of the Bible is Psalm 118, verse 8. You can write this down. It is better to trust in the Lord. There's that word trust again. Than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord. That's it. You know, they talk about the seven wonders of the ancient world. But there are also seven wonders of the word. Let me give you one through seven. Number one is the wonder of its formation. The mysterious method of its formation. The Bible says... Holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's how we got the Bible. Holy men of old were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's right. Like you blow on a sailboat and it moves. That's how 
we got the Word of God through holy men of old. Approximately 40 authors over a period of 1,600 years. Beginning 1500 B.C. through 100 A.D., they wrote down the very words that were breathed by God. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 89, the word forever is settled in heaven, O Lord. It is settled in heaven, but it came down. And, and God didn't throw down Bibles. People would have had concussions. Instead, uh, He sent it through holy men of old. The Holy Spirit spoke and moved them, and they wrote down. Now, before there ever was a Moses, God knew there would be a Moses, and so He prepared a Moses who would know God and in His own style would write down the very words that are already written down in heaven. Now, that's a mighty God. Amen. The first five books of the Bible, God already knew how Moses would be before Moses was even and he brought a Moses into existence, and he brought a Joshua into existence, and he brought an Ezra into existence, and he brought a David into existence, and he brought a Jeremiah and an Isaiah and all the prophets, minor and major prophets, and all the writers of the Gospels and of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul and John and Peter. And as those men were, before they ever existed, God brought them into existence. And those words were already written in heaven so that when the Holy Ghost moved upon them, they wrote down in their own style the very words that were already written in heaven, word for word. That's a miracle book. This is a miracle book. You say, what's it cost? You know, we can put one of those Bibles that you've got in front of you for $8 into any person into their hands. And that's what we do when we raise money for Bibles. I've got one that's similar. This is New Testament and Psalms, King James Version, put out by the American Bible Society. And this is one that we bought back in 1972. In 1972, the Lord moved on our hearts because there was a rehab hospital for veterans in Montgomery, Alabama. We were ministering in South Alabama. Um, and we were concerned about the souls of those veterans in that rehab. So we went out and we bought, I think, 100, maybe, maybe, maybe more than 100, but we filled up the entire back. How many of you have ever seen a Vega? What are you laughing at? We owned a brand spanking new Vega. It gave us very good service for almost 11 months. Before we traded it. But it, had, it had a hatch on the back. A hatch. And it was called a camback. Hatchback. Something like that. It was a camback. Something like that. Hatchback. You can call it what you want to. I don't care. I'm preaching this message. You just, just hold it down over there. All right. Amen. We stacked these things up in the back and we drove up to that hospital in Montgomery, Alabama. And I went in and I spoke to the lady that was in charge. And she was, she was a very domineering type. And I'll just say this. She says, no, you absolutely can't. This is, a, this is a government facility. You cannot distribute the Bible. And we had a hundred of these sitting in the back of our little Vega. We went out. We were a little discouraged, weren't we? We stood out there by the car. I was feeling bad. And two guys came out. And they had their bathrobes on, came out. Now, don't be shocked. And they went like this. Now, they were fully clothed. All right? Went like this. And I said, what? And he said, put one under here. Put one under here. Let me fix that. 
So each one of these guys had two of those under their arms, and they tied up their bathrobe and walked back in. Pretty soon, there was a, there was a whole trail of them coming out. And they were standing there, and I put one under one arm, one under the other arm, and they'd go in. And you know what? We smuggled a hundred of these Bibles into a government facility in Montgomery, Alabama in 1972. I don't know how many people got saved as a result of that, but the devil got beat that day. Amen. Amen. This reminds me of that experience. What does the Bible cost? I don't know what we paid for these in those days, but it's priceless. It's priceless because of the blood of the martyrs, because of those who gave their lives so that we would have the Word of God. That's it. I believe in the Word of God. I believe in the power of the Word of God. I believe in what the Word of God can do. Amen. Some of you know the name Dr. Tim LaHaye. He's now in heaven. Dr. LaHaye was responsible for the Left Behind series, the movie series. All right. Dr. Tim LaHaye was a dear friend of the Winnegar family. In fact, when I was a little kid growing up, we had a cabin at, uh, at Hume Lake Christian Conference Center in California. We had a cabin on this side of the road, and across the road was the LaHaye cabin. So we were right across the road. And Tim LaHaye was the approximate age of my folks, and so his kids were our approximate age, and so we played with the LaHaye kids uh, when we were up at camp those years. So I got to know the man who wrote the Left Behind series. Got to know the man. In those days, he was a firebrand preacher. And you know what? I think it's a shame when preachers lift their voices up like that. Don't you? He had a thousand teenagers, teen week, sitting in that, that tabernacle up there at Hume Lake. And he preached the paint off the walls. And my brother, who thought he was the second coming of Elvis Presley in those days, he was very popular, but he wasn't living for God. He walked down the aisle. You talk about tearing up a proud teenager. He walked down the aisle with tears flowing down his cheeks, and God spoke to his heart. And under the white, hot preaching of, of uh, uh, Tim LaHaye, my brother surrendered to the ministry, and he's still preaching today. He'll be 80 years old in January. That's what God can do. Well, here's what Tim LaHaye says about Scripture memory. Put this down, if you would, please. Number one. Scripture memory, memorizing even a, a verse, will give you victory over sin. Victory over sin. Number two, it will help you to overcome worry. Number three, it will give you a confidence in sharing your faith. You got it inside you, you want to get it out? Memorize Scripture. Number four, it speeds up the transformation process. The transforming process, the changing process. The more scripture you put in, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There it is. Number five, it assists you in discovering God's will for your life. People say, I want to know God's will for my life. Look at me. The will of God is found in the word of God. The will of God is found in the word of God. So get into the word until the word gets into you. You want to know the will of God? Get the word of God in you. Number six, it helps you in your Bible study. The more you memorize, the more it will help you be able to say, hey, it says this over here, it says this. All those words about trust we've seen today, that's called cross-referencing. You cross-reference from one verse about trust to another to another. That's why some of you have um, King James 
Bibles, but the reference part is Thompson chain. Anybody got a Thompson chain at your house? All right, you need to get yourself a Thompson chain. Little tiny print, but you know, and lots of pages to turn. But it will help you. It will help you. All right, number seven. Memorizing Scripture will outfit you for unlimited service to God. That's it. If you're going to do something, you might as well do it well. And you might as well do a bunch of it. If you're going to do something and do it well and do a bunch of it, it might as well be something that makes a difference in eternity. I'm talking about service for God. Everybody here is a candidate for service for God. You know why? Because we're all creatures of God. We've all been created by God. If you get saved, you're part of the family of God. If you're in the family, you've got a lot of other folks you're rubbing elbows with. You're coming to church and you're saying, wow, they seem to have it together. Why, they seem to, they seem to get answers to their questions. They seem to have some guidance and some direction in their life and in their relationships and their choices in life. Wow, I want some of that. I'm going to get up close to them and, and maybe some of it will rub off on me. Maybe I'll figure out what they're doing. And you'll discover that they're in the Word of God and you'll want to get in the Word of God. And guess what? Pretty soon a whole lot of people are in the Word of God. What's it worth? It's priceless. It's above value to have the Word of God. So the wonder of its formation. Number two, seven wonders of the Bible. Wonder of its unification. You say, preacher, you're giving me a lot of numbers today. That's all right. It'll pass. This too shall pass. This is a library book of 66 books. Did you know that? All right, kids, I want you to learn this. In the Old Testament, that's the left-hand side when you open the Bible down the middle. The left-hand side, that's the Old Testament. There are 39 books in the Old Testament. How many books in the Old Testament? 39. All right, there are 27 books in the New Testament. How many books in the New Testament? 27. Together that adds up to 66. That's right. How many in the Old? 39. How many in the New? 27. How many altogether? 66. Now here's a test. How many of them are inspired and preserve. All of them. Amen. And yet, you can go from one part of the Bible to the next, and these people were separated by years and miles, and yet, because it is all from heaven, it is all the Word of God given and, and granted to us, praise the Lord, given to us as a stewardship, it's all in perfect agreement. Thousands of dollars have been offered in awards to people if, if they, they thought they could find contradiction, and you know what? There has never been one yet. What seems to be a contradiction, easily explained. And I don't want to do this for money, but if I, if I wanted to get rich, I would challenge you to find what you consider an apparent contradiction, and I would answer it, and, and then you'd have to pay me, and then I'd be rich. But we're not doing that today. All right. Number three, there's another wonder, the wonder of its age. It is one of the most ancient of books. How many books do you know that are this old? going back that many hundreds and even thousands of years, and yet it is still the most popular book. The Wonder of Its Sale, it is the best seller of any book in history. The best seller, yes it is. Second is John Bunyan's, who knows the title? Pilgrim's Progress. Number one is the Bible, number two is Pilgrim's Progress. All right, number five. Wonder, the wonder of its interest, the only book in the world that is read by all people in all different classes, different categories, and so forth. Number six, the wonder of its language. Although it's written largely by uneducated men, it is the best from a literary standpoint. Written and translated into English in 1611, when the English language was at its pinnacle. So you'll get by the these and thous. It'll be all right. And the hearest, and the heareth, 
and all of that, the EST and the ETH endings, you'll live through it. You'll survive it. Okay? You say, well, it just seems like so much. Well, listen, there's milk and there's meat. Okay? Now, I am going to do this. I'm going to help introduce you to the wonders of the Word of God, but I am not going to cut your meat for you. You've got to cut your own meat. That's right. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? He's given us His Word. Praise the Lord. Number seven wonder, it's preservation. Now, you're not going to hear this in most churches. Most churches around here will not talk about the inspiration and the preservation. Every single syllable of every single word that I'm holding right now in this Bible is inspired and it's preserved. God has promised to keep it forever. Preserved. So everything the devil does to come against it is fruitless because we have the inspired and preserved Word of God. In our articles of um, uh, a declaration of faith here, it says, We believe the Holy Bible was written by men supernaturally inspired, that it is truth without any admixture of error for its matter, and therefore is and shall remain to the end of the age the only complete and final revelation of the will of God to man, the true center of Christian union, and the supreme standard by which all human con conduct Creeds and opinions should be tried. The Holy Bible, uh, by that we mean the collection of 66 books from Genesis to Revelation, uh, which, uh, as originally written, does not only contain and convey the Word of God, but is the very Word of God. We believe the KJV 1611 translation is God's preservation of His Word for English-speaking people. There you go. You can amen anytime now. There you go. So people, they say, Preacher, preacher, we want some preaching. Preach the Word. Well, I am. I'm fixing to. I'm going to preach the Word. I'm going to give you the lamp that's a light unto your path. I'm going to give you the storehouse of truth for your daily food. I'm going to give you the chart that you're going to follow, the map for uh, traversing life's rough seas. I'm going to give you the, the balm, the medicine for your wounds in your spiritual, emotional, and mental travail. And I am going to do it by preaching the Word. That's it. That's it. A lot of people say, well, I, I just, I don't read the Bible. I'm bothered because I don't understand all of the Bible. I like what Mark Twain said. Now, he said some funny things. One thing he said was, most people are bothered by those passages of Scripture which they cannot understand. But as for me, I've always noticed that the passages in Scripture which trouble me most are those which I do understand. And that's true. That's true. The, the beautiful thing about this is we are we're broken vessels. We are wounded individuals. We have problems. We're all human. Every one of us. Nobody's any better than anybody else when it comes to that. We all have that part of us that's broken. And someone has wisely said, the way that you can fill a broken vessel and keep it filled is by keeping the faucet running. And we've, we plan to keep the faucet running around here. The Word of God, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. I don't want to be a tourist. I want to be an explorer. See, a tourist comes and they hit the high spots and they're gone in, you know, nine days or whatever. And, you know, they spent all the spare money that they had in their bank account. And that's it. But an explorer will spend time searching every back way and every, every unexplored area. And that's what we want to be. We want to be explorers of the Word of God. We want to be in the Word until the Word becomes a part of us. It is sad that out of 6,528 major languages in the world, 4,564 don't have even one portion of the Word of God. But we hope to change that. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, here we, here we go. I want you to turn in your Bible. Turn in your Bible, if you would please, 
to Jeremiah chapter 36. Jeremiah chapter 36. The Bible is a timeless book, as I said. When I read the accounts of people thousands of years ago, it's more up to date than any other human writings of our time. We know that the Bible gives understanding to the simple. And so the wisdom of man and every opinion of man is not going to get the job done. But in Jeremiah, we're going to read in chapter number 36 about a, a pathetic group of people who missed their opportunity. And I don't want you to miss yours. We're in Jeremiah chapter 36. And here's what's going on in Jeremiah's day. There were puppet kings just before the king of Babylon came in and took everybody away and sacked Jerusalem and, and tore Jerusalem down to the very foundation and nothing was left. But in those final days, those final hours, there were some individuals in leadership that were not worthy of leadership and they proved themselves unworthy here. In Jeremiah chapter 36 and verse number 20, it says, They went into the king, into the court, and they laid up the roll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe and told all the words in the ears of the king. So the king sent Jehudai to fetch the roll, and he took it out of Elishama the scribe's chamber. And Jehudai read it in the ears of the king and in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now this roll contained the inspired word of God as given to Jeremiah, just like we're reading right now, all right? And so that's, that's what's happening. He gives it to him. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire in the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudah had read three or four leaves, he cut it with a penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. Nevertheless, Elnathan and Deleah and Gemariah had made intercession to the king that he would not burn the roll, but he would not hear them. But the king commanded uh, Meel, the son of Hamalek, and Saraiah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdeel, to take Baruch the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet, but the Lord hid them. Long story short, let's make it simple. They had no fear of God. And when they heard the word of God, they didn't like what was in it. Now today you might not like the fact that the Bible says we're all sinners. And you might want to take a pen knife and, and tear up pages of the word of God and cast them in the fire. That will not change one iota the fact that we are all sinners. The Bible tells us the truth whether we like it or not. The Bible tells us the truth whether we agree with it or not. Just, just agreeing with it and believing it doesn't make it so. It is so. It doesn't matter if you... I mean, it does matter to you if you believe it. But if you don't believe it, that won't stop it from being real. It will still be true. And what they read from Jeremiah was telling them that they, they had a big debt to pay. And that that the enemy was coming in and God was going to allow them to be taken away captive and they didn't want to hear anything negative. All they wanted is positive talk. There are people like that going to church today and they say, I want to go to some church where they talk about positive things, not about sin and the blood of Jesus Christ and a place called hell. I don't want to hear about that. 
No, but you'll land in a place called hell if somebody doesn't tell you about a place called hell and tell you that the way out of that place called hell is by believing on the finished work, the shed blood of Jesus Christ and His resurrection from the grave. Jesus Christ is the only way out of hell to heaven. He is the only way for our souls to be saved. You can be as good as you can possibly be and you can be the best person in somebody's eyes that you can possibly be and you will still die and split hell wide open if you don't receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We are here today to say that He's a loving God, yes, but He has done everything that is necessary for us to be saved. And if we trample on the blood of Jesus Christ, like the writer of Hebrews says, there is no hope for us. We have to receive the free gift of eternal life. Well, that king at this time was Zedekiah. He wasn't, he wasn't the end of the line, but when he faced his end, it was a terrible one. The king, the king Nebuchadnezzar, took him to Babylon and put out his eyes. But before he put out his eyes, he killed all his sons before his eyes. Put out his eyes and kept him in prison all the days of his life. This was a man who thought it was no big deal to tear up the Word of God. He thought it was no big deal to burn the Word of God. We teach our kids to reverence the Word of God, even their copy of the Word of God. And you don't put it on the floor and put your feet on it or anything like that. You treat the physical copy of the Word of God because the words that are in it are the very words of God. We show respect. There it is. There it is. Now, if we read on about this circumstance, we go back to uh, 2 Chronicles, please. 2 Chronicles, very quickly. 2 Chronicles, find your way there. Chapter 36. And it'll give us another view. This is what we call cross-referencing. All right? 2 Chronicles, chapter 36, and verse 11. Zedekiah was one and twenty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God, and humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear by God, but he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart from turning unto the Lord God of Israel. You see, he wouldn't humble himself, he wouldn't repent, he wouldn't get right. Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord, which had, he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. How did God show compassion to those people who had doomed themselves by their behavior and their lack of repentance? He sent messengers. He sent preachers. He sent somebody to tell the truth. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised His words and misused His prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against His people till there was no remedy. Underline those words. Till there was no remedy. Someday someone's going to stand before the Lord and God's going to have the recording angel say, is there any record of them? And there'll be no record of them in the book. And... Uh, and the angel will say, I find no record of this individual. And that person will say, well, I lived a good life. I went to church. I was a, I, I was a benevolent person. I gave to the poor. I did all I treated people nice. I did all kinds of good things. And my Bible says when there's no record because that person hasn't been saved the Bible way, then God will say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, into everlasting darkness. There shall be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's going to be a sad moment. A sad moment. 
The Word of God finds us out. The Word of God identifies us as needy sinners. We need the Lord. We need Him to save us. We need to start with the Word of God. Whenever we do a doctrinal study, we don't start with the, the uh, person of God or, or the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We start with the Bible. We start with the basis of believing everything that we believe and everything that we know. The only way we know about God the Father, the only way we know about God the Son, the only way we know about God the Holy Spirit is the Bible teaches us. So we use the Bible as the basis. Whatever doctrine you study, you have to go to the Bible first. Now isn't it ironic? You can travel for miles and miles and miles and miles and not come to a church that even knows where the Word of God is. They will talk about their Bible, but if you ask them, is that the absolute Word of God? Does it have any mistakes in it? Is it absolutely perfect? Is it preserved? They either don't know or they are honest enough to say that they don't believe that. We've got the book right now in our hands, which is the very Word of God. Teaches us how to think, how to believe, how to act. Tells us who we are, where we came from, why we're here, where we're going. Aren't you glad we got a book like that? We need to get that into our hearts and lives. We need to get that into our family. We need to take it with us to work. You say, take the Bible to work? Yes, take it, take it to, to your place of work and put it on your desk. You say, what's going to happen? I don't know, but I'd sure like to see. I bet it makes a difference. I bet it causes something to happen. If people can take to work the stuff they take to work and read on their breaks that they read, you can take your Bible. And I say the same to the kids. Say, oh, to school? Stop treating state education like it's the Taj Mahal or some holy temple because it's not. And by the way, the people we elected, look at me, look at me, look at me. You tell them. You work for me. The people we elected, you work for me. Amen. Any taxpayers out here? Hey, you out there, you work for me. You work for me. If I want my child or my grandchild to take a copy of God's inspired, preserved word to school and put it on his or her desk, then they're going to do that. Say, so what's going to happen? I don't know, but I'd like to see. That's my answer. I don't know, but I'd like to see. Amen. Amen. In this day and time, when every other kind of blasphemous thing is read or considered or given a place, I want God to have the preeminence. Amen. I want Him to have the place. We start with the Word of God. Number two, we continue with the Word of God. Number three, we finish strong with the Word of God. It is God's very Word. I'm glad we got the right one. You've come to the right place with the right one. What have I got here? I've got a yardstick. Three feet. But I've got another yardstick, and it's slightly longer than this one. So how do I know which one's right? Well, there is a place in Washington, D.C., where they'll tell you which one is right, if either one is, and which one is wrong, because that's the standard. That's the standard. The Bureau of Standards and Measurements, you know what I'm talking about, all right? So that's about, that's approximately three feet. But over there, they've got something that's exactly three feet. They got something that's exactly one foot. They got something that's exactly one 
inch. You say, well, that's pretty good. That's fantastic, preacher. Yeah, I got something better. This is exactly right. This is exact truth. And this will help you to get to heaven, and it will help you to live right until you get there. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you today would say, preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Come on. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. Amen. Put your hands down. Won't you pray now for others? Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for God's will to be done. All right. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to think about this. Do you know for sure, as you think back, think back as far as you can, as far as you can remember, do you ever remember a time when you prayed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior? And you knew then, you absolutely knew that you were saved according to the Bible. There is no doubt, based upon what you did, you called on the name of the Lord, you asked Jesus Christ to save you, He washed you clean in His blood, He made you a brand new creature, He started from the inside out. If you know that you know that you know that you're saved, because you're saved the Bible way, would you slip your hand up high so I can see it? I know that I'm saved, I know that I'm saved, I know that I'm saved. Amen, thank you, put your hands down. Now, many of you raised your hands for which we are thankful. I want you to pray for others right now. If you could not raise your hand or you could not raise it with confidence, and right now I want you to do this. From your heart to God, pray something like this. Dear God, just pray from your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior, as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins. And take me to heaven when I die. And take me to heaven when I die. The Mixed Vocal Ensemble of Central Baptist Church. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17.